Welcome to Living Out Loud with your host, Jess Phillips, where we talk all things addictions, codependency, relationships, and the good, bad, and ugly in between. Welcome, everybody, to Living Out Loud with your host, Jess Phillips, episode six. I'm super excited for our guest today, Greg Champion. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Jessica. Hello. Is there a certain way you say uh, hello differently in Canada than you do well, in the we States? We say everything differently in Canada. You'll right. hear it for sure. You'll hear well, it. I, I, I must say that um, I have uh, grown very fond of Canadian people um, uh, in my last few years. Uh, some really good people have come into my life who are Canadians, and, and you guys are just a, a special breed. That's for damn sure. Yeah. We really are. We really are. I just went to see an American comedian on Friday and he said the same thing. He's like, it's a whole different world up here. You know, a, yeah. a lot of, a lot of kindness. I have heard, I have yep. heard. We try. We definitely more in Montreal too, because I spent four years in Toronto and because mm-hmm. Toronto was like the New York of Canada, it's a little bit more hustle bustle. Whereas here it's a bit slower. So people have the time to say hi to you on the streets, you know? So yeah, we're, we're a little bit friendlier here in Montreal. Nice. So welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing. Uh, yeah. I think it's awesome that we've even connected this way because we have never met in person. We got to connect over social media, Instagram to be specific. Um, I kind of just sat back and watched all the good work that you were doing in the recovery community and just took a chance, reached out and you agreed. So I think this is super cool. Um Just to give you a little bit of background of the Living Out Loud podcast, it's really a chance to interview people who are doing really good work in their community, especially focused on addictions. I touch a lot on codependency, relationships. Um, So when I thought of who I'm going to interview next, you popped up and here you are. So welcome. Thank you. I've experienced all that stuff you listed off uh, in different (laughs) parts. At different parts of my recovery, with 27 years of recovery, you 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 understand ACA and CODA and Al-Anon and uh, group therapy and individual therapy, and you know I just find it um, I find it that your podcast is really a um, cornucopia of recovery. Yeah, um, and not and I think you would agree. Just not there isn't one recovery that fits everybody. Um, just like. When, when, when we were out there in our disease, it looked a different, right? Yep. Our recovery looks different. Yep. Um, I do think the ingredients are the same though. Yeah. Agreed. And what I will say, Jess, if you and I were making chocolate chip cookies, right? Let me just, so I put a bowl in front of you, put a bowl on me. What's the first thing that goes in, in there for you for chocolate chip cookies? First wow. ingredient, flour. I put sugar in. What's your next thing? Chocolate chips. Okay. I put milk. Right. Uh, butter. Milk. See, <laughs> what I'm getting at is that we're both going to end up with chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, it's just that our ingredients are the same. They're just used in different different timelines, different order. Totally, and I think that's a great point. And and what I wanted this podcast to be built on because. I don't want it to be, you know, blinders on for people. This is one way. This is the only way I didn't want it to be my way. I mean, I talk about everything from food addiction to spending addiction to drug and alcohol addiction. So the way it worked for me might not be the way it looks for somebody else, but I wanted to talk about it all. So last week, for example, I had a a sugar addiction coach 
And mm. it was super interesting, right? Because I come from a family, my sister-in-law is a uh, doctor in clinical psychology and she specializes in eating disorders. She does not believe in food addiction, right? So it's interesting to hear her view and then sure. his view on food addiction. So I wanted this platform to just be all different kinds of people sharing their experience so that the listeners can pick and choose what works for them and what doesn't. So First off, congratulations on 27 years of sobriety. That's absolutely amazing. I'm sure people listening are like, what, 27 years? It's just incredible. So for our listeners, does that mean sober from alcohol, drugs? What, what does that look like for you? Yeah, clean and sober from drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, no street drugs, no abusing pills, no, you know, California sober, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you know, on that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, um, it hasn't always been easy. Um, I, today where, where I said, I'll tell you that the obsession left me somewhere between year three and five, the obsession to drink and use, but just the obsession to obsess has not. Mm. Tell me more about that. And, and what I mean by that is I've, I've obsessed about, um, food. I've obsessed about gambling. I have certainly obsessed about work. Um, about my place in the world, my reputation. Um, I have rep- uh, obsessed about uh, the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I have more, more than often obsessed about resentment. Mm. And I can chew on a good resentment for 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and by, by, by your reaction, I think you're in that same boat, maybe not 18 months, but, okay. but and, and okay. even though I have all the tools that have been given to me over the years um, on how to get out of a resentment, how to work on a resentment and, and, and that I, I, boy, I, I start to future trip. I start to revenge think, you know, here's where I know I'm in trouble, Jess, is when I'm in a meeting and they say, Hey, for the next two or three minutes, we're going to meditate. Right. And the whole time I'm using the meditation, I'm plotting and planning revenge. That, that's when I know I'm way off. And so to your listeners um, that might have some time, you know, I'll tell you that I, I'm really working on emotional sobriety. Um, and, and really, I know problems are going to are going to show up on my doorstep. I know issues are going to show up on my doorstep. And I know it says in the 12 step program, people, places and things. Now, Jess, let me just say. I don't have problems with places. I don't have problems with things. It's always people. It's always people. And so what I would say is if you're struggling with in year 10 or 12 or 15, it's really time to reset your recovery for emotional sobriety. Hmm. And I think just not drinking using is just a ticket to the, to the, to the show. And, and, um, and, and that's what I've learned. And the magic word for me in all parts of my world is slow sobriety. Slow variety. Slow And the reason being is that, yeah, I have 27 years of not drinking and using, but I've also like my family life. It took a, it took a while for me to become a father and a husband and, 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 and understand those rules. It took me a while to be a, a worker amongst workers and a boss about amongst bosses, you know? And because in my addiction, I love shortcuts. Love them. Yep. Give me a good shortcut. I'm there. I, I was the cliff notes King in high school. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And, and, and what I learned along the way is that in, in a, in a true recovery program, there is no shortcuts. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I'm on a journey of, of, of emotional sobriety. 
Um, I'm on a journey of sobriety. And most important, um, I know, listen, none of your listeners have problems with drugs and alcohol right now. They don't, like today. If you're listening to this podcast, more than likely you're sober. Okay. Probably true. I never really thought of it that way, but you're probably but, but right. Here's the most important thing, Jess, is that we don't have problems with drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Drugs and alcohol are the solution to our problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what's going to happen is, is a problem that's going to show up on your doorstep today going to force you to drink and use? Mm -hmm. When I made that connection, I realized, oh, problems are going to show up. And what I do know is if I drink and use, those problems are only going to get worse. Totally. Totally. I knew I knew I picked a good choice. I have so <laughs> many questions for you. You don't even know, but you nailed it, especially the shortcuts and the cliff notes. I was just working with a client this morning and we were talking about the exact same thing, right? We'd rather take on a million tasks, do them each at 10% rather than take one small one, complete it fully, give it our all, get self-esteem from it and then move to the next. It's like, no, 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 no. give me 20,000 and I'll dart around, you know? And Jess, I was one of those people, even in recovery. I remember I had a mentor in, in business and he, I, I said, Hey, look, let me, let me, let me show you my seven ideas. And so I, I start pushing him across the desk and he goes, you pl please tell me how you plan on getting those seven ideas through a hole this big. Yep. And he goes, here's what I need you to learn. I need you to learn that you find the one that's going to make you the most joy or feel valued first, mm. then a companion piece, and then another one. And then another one, another one. Eventually you do one at a time and all seven will happen for you, but it'll happen in God's time or the universe's time. Because if you try to push seven through, it never fits. And once I got that lesson, suddenly I became more successful in work. I earned more money. My clients were more happy. Uh, family was more cared for because I was able to learn that secret of, 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 of I guess you would call it prioritizing my wants and needs because i think a lot of people have the, the hundred million dollar idea right except you need a hundred million dollars to get it started yeah so let's start with the most simple one and then the next one and the next one and so I, i'm totally i'm glad you brought that up because i i say the very same thing uh with my clients um it's so, such per it always happens in perfect timing and i really hope that he listens today because you remind me a lot of him and he's very smart and he's a go-getter and he's built this huge business, but he's running at 175 miles an hour and he keeps hitting that emotional wall, you know? So I love these little one-liners that I'm getting for you is they're awesome. So tell me, you know, you talked about being a, a father and a husband and a soccer dad. How did you go from drinking and using to living the life that you are now? So, um, I remember I went from being a single guy to a family man. Okay. I hope that sums it up in a pretty quick sentence. <laughs> Should we just stop the podcast right here? Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's it. You know, um, I was your quintessential single guy, you okay. know? Yeah. Um, LA bachelor, LA bachelor. I, I, I have been sober for most of my um, time in, in Los Angeles and California, but. Can I ask um, how old you were when you got sober? What's that? Can I ask how old you were when you got sober? 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so real quick, I can kind of take you back to, um, you know, that last couple of years when it was chaos and it was drama and it was trauma 
and it was pain. And either I was taking all those, those four things on or exerting them on, on the, the human beings in my life. Yeah. Um, and I didn't care about the consequences. Uh, to, to have your mother worry about where you are for three or four days is not a good thing. Um, to uh, be dating three women at the same time is not a good thing. Um, to um, not being a good employee um, and, and all those things. And all, all that was chalked up to, to what I think. I, you know, I wasn't really living as a human being back there. I was more of an animal. Take, take, take. You know, watch out. If you, if you, I'll lash out at you if you come after me. Very animalistic behavior. But I do want to just say that. So um, I'll talk about the last couple of years and what, what unfolded. So what happened for me, I, was, I had a college degree. I was out in the real world. And um, what, what the real world promised me was a high paying job and success. Mm-hmm. And what happened for me is my first job paid me $19,000 a year, which means I was still eating top ramen and drinking Mountain Dew. Yep. And sleeping on a futon. Yeah. Okay. And I had no, um, I had no confidence. Yeah. Um, I was very insecure. And despite my outward appearance, I was a sensitive little boy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I acted and reacted as a, as that eight year old little boy that was hurt on the playground yeah. or, or was shamed by a teacher. Um, or had a neighbor who was inappropriate with him as, as a kid, or had a mother who would occasionally bring out the brush or belt, you know? And so what quieted all that chaos was drugs and alcohol. And it was cocaine, it was booze, it was pot. Um, and, um, and so this nice middle-class kid who went to Catholic high school, right? who got a college degree, whose last name is champion found himself Hmm. in jail eight times over a two year period. Wow. I had assault charges, driving, drunk driving charges, suspended license charges. Um, I even just, I even got arrested in new Orleans twice in 24 hours. I feel like it's hard to get arrested there. I feel like they let, they let a lot of things slide there. They do. And I even knew the rules because the night I arrived, I walked up to this big Irish cop and I go, Hey, officer Fitzgerald. Hello. I'm, I'm Greg champion from California. Can you tell me the rules of this place? And I looked at right over bourbon street. He goes, yeah, don't piss in my streets and don't fight in my streets. So Jess, <laughs> you tell me what two things I got arrested for. <laughs> Pissing and fighting. That's it. That's it. <laughs> And that shows you, that shows you the, the disease. Yeah, we don't do you well. Told, you told me the rules. And with, when I put stuff in my body, I don't care about the rules. Mm-hmm. And so here was this young man getting his butt kicked in paddy wagons and New Orleans jails for 24 hours when he was supposed to be there enjoying it. it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, to go back to the jail thing, then um, I was working at a, in a TV station and I had the overnight shift. And so they left this 23, 24 year old kid by himself from 11 PM to 6 AM. Okay. So I'm work. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. The first couple months of the job and then I start getting bored. So then I go out in the parking lot. I find my little Mountain Dew can and make some holes and I start smoking pot. Um, and I start running the TV station high. Then I get bored 
And I ask a couple of female interns to join me. And before you know it, I'm throwing parties in this TV station at two or three in the morning. Yeah. And um, no consequences yet. But then along the way, somebody's, what, what, what kind of friends do we find at two or three in the morning, Jess? Very low companionship. I, I'm so glad you said those words, lower companions. Oh, yeah. And so I found them. And here's what they suggested. Hey, college boy, you must have friends on the East Coast. We should start shipping marijuana out there, pot out there, you know, and see if we can make some money. And we did two pounds, four pounds, six pounds, 20. Eventually, I started flying 50 pounds of pot to the East Coast. And to tell you how I had to get on those planes, six double vodka cranberries, a couple hits of Coke, um, definitely some, some joint smoking on the way there, just to calm my nerves, because this goes against all my moral fiber, all the values that my parents put me in, mm. that I'm a drug dealer. Mm. What a scumbag, you know? And so to lessen that voice in my head, I did all these drugs and I just kept doing it. And guess what? Then money would come. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm making $19,000 a month now. <laughs> no more ramen for you. And I love shortcuts, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is feeding my inner beast, right? Oh, yeah. Well, then I also, I didn't become dumb. Yeah. And what I mean, I become a dumb, lazy drug dealer who makes mistakes. And I made a mistake in an airport and got caught with 50 pounds. And I get in front of the judge and the judge says, Man, you're, you're a good Catholic boy from a nice family, college degree. What happened? And I answer this, and I know probably some of your, uh, some of your clients and some of your listeners have said these three words. When he says, what happened? I say, I don't know. Because in those last couple of years, I don't know. I was in such a fog yeah. and such an such a, a, a area that is so foreign to me now. Yeah. Um, such darkness, yeah. you know. One of my favorite prayers is the St. Francis prayer. You know, God, make me a channel of thy peace that where there is darkness, may you bring light. And, um, and I was way over in that dark side. And so um, I said, I don't know. And here's what the judge says. He says, well, here's what I do know, young man. If I see you in my courtroom in the next six months, I'm going to give you the five years of prison hanging over your head. Now, Jess, I used to have pretty blonde, curly hair. <laughs> Bright blue eyes, you know, someone like me is not going to fend well in prison. So I got really, really scared for about two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And then I went out again. I drank some beers, smoked some joints. So he let you off that day in court? You know, he let me out on bail. Okay. Let me out on bail. And um, 18 days later, um, I'm at a party. And I have a couple of bindles of Coke in my pocket. And by this time, all my high school friends and college friends had left me. I, I was so dark and so demonized by addiction and alcoholism. They didn't want to be around me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I had to go to the party of the year. Yeah. And so I'm at this party where I know nobody. And up comes a, a guy and says, hey, do you got any blow on you? Well, I don't know about you, Jess, but I'm quite the people pleaser. Same here. And, and, and oh, you look like my friend, Tim, come on down, go down the stairs out to my little sports car. I pull out my Duran Duran CD case. <laughs> so not only am I dating you by CD case, but also the band. So band was worse than the CD case. Okay. Okay. 
And, and, and so I started chopping up some lines on the CD case. And um, you know, it's funny, even when that Duran Duran song comes on, my nose kind of kind of drizzles these days. Like, you know, what's going on here? Um, and I put the, I put the, the, the CD case out in front of him. And he puts out the badge of San Diego police. <gasps> No. Yes. yes. Oh. And um oh. Oh, man. Wow. Woo. And so I sit there and I think I'm done. Five years in prison. What is my mom gonna say? What is my dad gonna say? And um the judgment and the shame came over me like a wave. And uh, the next morning I woke up in the fetal position in the cell by myself. And I, I thought to myself, my first thought is I got to kill myself. I'm not going to, uh, how, how do I kill myself? Um, and, um, and then all of a sudden at the corner of the, the cell, I hear this voice, Greg, there's a better way. Greg, there's a better way. And so I sit up on this bench and I'm actually looking for a guard or someone saying it. There's no one there. And the, the, the voice says to me, call your mother. Call my mother. I'm facing five years in prison. I can't call my mother. Yeah. Call your mother. So I call her from the jail. I tell her what happened. And she says this, go to church. Go to church? <laughs> what, what's that going to Gregory, you know, you know how moms call you by your full name. Oh yeah, Gregory, oh, yeah. Gregory, and they're mad. You, you go to church, and um, I got bailed out. And uh, that night, I went to a Sunday night mass down on the in Cass Street in Pacific Beach, California. It's six o'clock, and the priest says, "Hey, after the mass, we're going to do confessions." On this side, we have three doors, and on this side, we have three doors. Pick a door and go do your confession. And just, this is my thought. I will go in there and confess so I can go out tonight. Wow. We're brutal, eh? And, uh, God, sometimes I make it through, sometimes I don't. Um, okay. So I, so I go inside this confessional, and it's not like the Godfather where there's a screen and you could, Joe, Steve, you don't make up a name. I walk in and it's a small room with two um, small chairs and there's a priest sitting there. He has white hair. He has laser blue eyes and a white cloak. And he says to me in his Irish accent, and I can't do one, so I won't. He says, son, sit and tell me your sins. I sit down and I said, father, when I, when I drink a lot, I go in the bars and hurt people. Mm. When I smoke a lot of pot, I show up at Christmas on December 27th. When I do a lot of cocaine, I date three girls at the same time. And when I do all three of those drugs, I fly large amounts of marijuana to the East Coast. He says, son, stop. He says, do you, do you feel you have a, a problem with drugs and alcohol? No. I, I'm so in denial still. No. And um, then, I, then I do what we call in the 12-step program, I paused. Mm. I had my first great AA pause. Mm. And what came over me was, Father, you're the second man in my life ever to, um, to ask me that question. He goes, who was the first? I said, my stepfather. 
Um, and for a little background on my stepfather, Jess, he was a World War II vet. He was there on Omaha Beach during D-Day. He took the GI Bill, went to Northwestern, got an engineering degree, um, self-made man. Um, and when he married my mom, um, when I was 10, he, he became my stepdad, who was my little league coach. He taught me how to tie a tie, shave my face, open doors for women, all that old school, greatest generation stuff. Mm. Um, and he also had 17 years of a sobriety. No way. Yep. That's cool. So when the priest says, what was your stepfather's name? I said, Walt Janicki. The priest reaches across, grabs my hand. <laughs> I says I was Walt Janicki's first sponsor. No way. Yep. Yep. And and right then, <laughs> and right then, and right then, Jess, that denial that I had 27 seconds before was gone. That 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 no one's going to understand me. I'm I'm different. Was gone. Yeah. That that false pride was gone. And I sat in that moment and I said to myself, whatever this man tells you to do next, you got to do. And what he said was, son, your sins don't belong here. They belong four blocks up at the Alano Club. And there happens to be an A meeting starting at 730. And I think you should go. And so on on 11-7-1994, I walked into an A meeting. And um, that priest became my sponsor. And uh, his name is Father Bill Wilson. No way. Swear to God. Wow. And um, Father Bill was a gentle Irish man who, who, who just loved recovery. Yeah. And he taught me to do three things. And these same three things are what I tell my sponsees. Don't drink or use no matter what. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days and take boxing lessons. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that third one yet. And I'm like, boxing lessons? He's like, yeah, because when you do the first two, you're going to have so much anger and resentment. You got to put it somewhere. Yeah. And what was great about having a priest be my sponsor is when I had to go in front of that judge, guess who was keeping score? The priest. And he would stand up there. He's got six months. He's got nine months. He's got a year. Come with you to all the court dates. Yep. And had your stepdad passed away at that point? Yeah. Stepdad had already died. He got kind of a raw deal in life. He, he, um, he, um, he retired at 65 and got prostate cancer at 66 and died. Yeah. Brutal. Prostate cancer is brutal. So quick. I'm sorry. So here's why. I tell that story to you and your listeners is because that's what we call a God shot. And, and, and one of the things that um, I will not do is drink or use, because if I drink or use, I'm slapping God or the universe in the face because there I was at a Y in the road and this man of the cloth, which is great. You know, right. This man of God, right. Pointed me to, to, to AA who eventually pointed me back to a, a new version of God because I was raised with God was a guy in a white cloud with a white beard, with lightning bolts. Yeah. And for me now, Jess, God is the ripple effect. Mm. It, that, that it's the St. Francis spirit. We channel 
what you want and what you said. I'm going to put out good juju. And when I get, I'll get good juju back. Now, when I'm having a difficult week and there's a lot of assholes around, I have to look in the rearview mirror and go, well, what have I been doing? And I, and you know what? And I've been an asshole. So I really work on being a channel, using the ripple effect to my benefit, um, aligning myself with what I, I have a term, good people, no good people. Mm. I love and aligning myself. A little book of one-liners. You've got a lot of good ones. Well, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll buy yeah. it. Yeah. And, and the reason why I say good people, no good people, because just if you and I went and had dinner, I guarantee you it, it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like we would know a lot of cause the same people because we're aligned. You know, yep. and um, and what I can say that the, the, the 12 steps did for me and Alcoholics Anonymous, it laid foundation mm-hmm. for good recovery and good sobriety. But it isn't all my recovery. It isn't. Yep. It can't be. You can't sustain your recovery just from a 12 step program. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that you felt like you needed to add? And thank you for your honesty. And thank you for that story. I'm, I, I know it's going to be mine. I, <laughs> For some reason, I didn't even know that there could be sober priests. I just wouldn't even put the two and two together. So I think that's incredible. And you can Google him, Father Bill Wilson La Jolla, and he's got he's, I think his his CD. He's got CDs on Amazon too. Is he still around today? No, no, he passed away in in the nineties as well. So okay. Okay. So when you say, um, you know, because at the beginning of this podcast you know, we said, we're going to kind of talk about it all. And there's not a one size fits all approach. So what are some of the additional things that had been important or still important for you today on top of 12 step recovery to maintain your sobriety? So when people say 27 years, how'd you do it? Right? Yeah. I I say this, I've remained willing to be willing Mm. and, and coachable. And I take direction. And I, and I have, and I take suggestions. Um, a few years ago, I put together a um, recovery board of directors. And they are three men who have long-term sobriety, long-term success, and long-term marriages. Hmm. They're also three women who have long-term sobriety, long-term success, and long-term marriages. Nice. And what I try to do is when I get to a Y in the road, I will access two or three of them and see what, what the, what their advice or suggestions are. Hmm. And I try to, if they all say go left, I'm going left. So was this the board of directors for you personally? Just, it, yeah. Just me, Greg champion. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Just Greg champion. And, and there, there are six people who are in the local recovery world out here. Got it. They have their lives, you know? And what's funny when I go to the women on my board of directors, I'll say my wife, ba 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 ba. I'm going to tell her this, right? And these women always have the same answer. You tell her that you're going to be divorced by next Tuesday. (laughs) Here's how I would, here's how I would reframe it. Wow. Great. And I I want your listeners to listen to this men find some female friends, because when you get to a Y in a road with your significant other, they are like a dress rehearsal on what to say and do. So I would say to Jess, Jess, I would say, Jess, I'm having this issue with my, and you, we'd be riding on a, in a taxi together or Uber, right? They'd be like, well, you know what you would want to come at you. Yeah. Greg, I would open up with a question and then maybe stay away from this. And then, you know, like, yeah. and then I fall and guess what? I get in and out of fights yeah. in four minutes versus the old days, which were four hours. For sure. So this board of directors is essential. What I've also done is I, I, I took on breath work. 
Mm. Eight years ago. I've been hearing more about that lately. So, oh, oh, you've got to do it. Yeah. You've got to do it. Yeah. And I got a guy, you could do it online. So this guy about eight years ago, John Paul Crimi, um, he's out of uh, Bend, Oregon, but here in Los Angeles about eight years ago, calls me up and goes, hey, champ, can you come down to this yoga studio? And, and I, I, I went to Tony Robbins and I learned how to do breath work. I go down to this gringy yoga studio. I get on these mats. He's got me huffing up, like this, right? And I'm like this. I'm like, Ooh. And this guy next to me, this guy next to me can't feel his legs. This other guy over here is in fetal position. And we're all just like walking zombies, right? But what happens is he starts asking us questions. He says, put your hand in the air and think of a moment of shame, right? And I start crying. Think of a moment of when you were had pride and I start to feel warm in the chest. Mm -hmm. Think of a future moment. And I picture myself running for election, you know? Um, and so you do these affirmations. And what's great about it is it is huffing and puffing. There is a physical element to it, but it opens you up so much to really get the subconscious out. Mm. And so when I am stuck, I do a breathwork class. I do a sound bath class. Um, I go to a chiropractor once a month. Mm. I get a massage twice a month. Mm. I get a mani-pedi once a month. I highly re recommend it, guys. And here's why. Yeah. I'm women, women look at hands and feet. They women do. look at hands and feet, right? Mm -hmm. Man's got to have good hands. Hundred percent. See, <laughs> so 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 the point is, is that I remain willing to be willing to, to to garner tools that are both good for my recovery, but also for self care. Yeah, because I can get caught up in workaholism real good. Yeah, that's been a hot topic lately. I have yeah. a few people in my life who yeah. greatly suffer with that. And when I've had some bad years and people say, you may want to go see a therapist. I don't see her once every two weeks. I see her twice a week. Yeah. I you know? Yeah. Intensive work. Intensive. Let's get this going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when my marriage was, was at, at a crossroads a few years ago, we went to couples counseling and, 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 and real short amount, I'll just tell you what kind of happened there. She, we we're working together, working together, working together. And I say this because my, my wife's an Al-Anon, you know, and um, she's a black belt Al-Anon, <laughs> which, 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 which means I was not her first alcoholic in her life, if that makes sense. Um, and, and what happened was this great therapist says to us, hey, I think my wife's name is Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer and Greg 1.0 is over. Hmm. You got to close the door on that and start 2.0. And one of the best exercises we did is we could not reach back into the 1.0 version. Love that. And it has been profound. No using. Absolutely profound. Stuff, right? So much so, Jess, that I'm having my third baby in June. Ah, oh, congratulations. So wow, 2.0 really works. Yeah, right. It's sort of COVID. I say to my friends, I go, I go, you locked me up for two years. I'm going to be doing something. That's you know? it. That's it. <laughs> Can't keep still. Good for yeah, you. Can't keep still. No. But really, it, it, this child is our love child that came out of that of that therapy. And, and so I would recommend, and I'm always, whenever a couple comes to me for counseling, I'm going to fight for you. I'm yeah. always going to fight for you for that. And if it doesn't, if it seems like it's not working out, and then I have alternative so solutions for you as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. So just to be clear for people listening, so the idea of 2.0, does that mean that moving forward, you have both agreed to no longer nitpick or use things from the past and bring them into current problems or fighting? Yep. Nope. That must be easier said than done, though. Oh, for sure. I, I, I bite my lip at least once a day. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another, another good marriage advice. Do you want to be right or do you want to be married? <laughs> I so thought you were going to say happy. I've only heard the happy one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. How long into sobriety were you before you got married? Well, so, and I'm going to, I'm I'm an open book, as you can probably tell. So in those 27 years, I was dry for three of them. Okay. No meetings, no sponsor, no program. I did, I did the serenity prayer and I listened to uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, give an AA speech in my, in my, in my car. That was it. Was Anthony this Hopkins. the first three years or was this? No, it, was, it was year seven to 10. I, I always say that seven to 10, you're Looney Tunes. I say yeah. to everyone, I say to my sponsees, client. Oh, and, I, and I was Looney Tunes. So was I. Looney Tunes. So, so much Looney Tunes that um, I, I, I met a girl on a ski slope. Um, <laughs> we fell in love. Um, she lived in Chicago. I lived in LA and we were going to be the couple that made the, a long distance marriage work because you want to know why I'm still an alcoholic and addict and my character defects come up. And one of them is pride. Yeah. If anybody can make a long distance marriage work, it's Greg fucking champion. Yep. Okay. So we tried that. Right. And in that it was during my three years of, 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 of being dry. Yeah. And I didn't run it by a sponsor. I didn't run it by any board of directors. I just made that decision. And so in my sobriety, I did get married. I got divorced and then was able out of that divorce to eventually find my current wife um, with with a much healthier, because I got back into programs. I I was much healthier. As they say, you kind of want to meet a person that you're going to meet up here versus down here. and my poor first wife had no idea what was going on with me, but I was a dry drunk. It was the Chicago lady that you married? The Chicago lady, yeah. Okay. Got yeah. It. Got it. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah, the normies don't know what's hit them sometimes because yeah. I always tell everybody we interview very well. Oh, <laughs> I'll I love that. Job. I love it. Yes. <laughs> the yes. Best job yes. every time. Yeah. And we interview very it. well. Yeah. For oh. about six weeks, I'm apple pie face. So nice. Just, just I'm the greatest first date of all time. <laughs> Hands down. Hands yep. down. Yep. I, I, I got it. I, I, I am, I am Clark Gable, Bradley Cooper and Paul Newman all wrapped up in one, you know? And, uh, and then six months later, you're, you're kicking me out. Of, you're kicking me out of your apartment. Cause I'm an idiot. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Opinionated, aggressive. Yeah. yeah. It's a nightmare. Totally yeah. agree. Totally yeah. agree. So you got divorced, met your current wife, and you talked about this period of being dry. So a lot of people listening, some are sober, some are thinking about getting sober, some are in the program, not in the program. Do you think that it's necessary to hit that type of emotional bottom or dryness before, before you kind of catapulted in your recovery? Was that necessary for you? Well, I think my, I think my, my early recovery was out of uh, desperation and fear. Yeah. So desperate not to go to prison yeah. that, that I was scared. Yeah. And in that time, that one year, two year, three, all of a sudden I started getting my DNA started changing. Mm. 
that, that hey, I wasn't, I don't need Coke. I don't need pot. I don't, so that, that kind of, the physical stuff changed for me. Right. Um, but what I will say is that um, with people that are dry, there's no routine. Yes. There's no right. spiritual connection. Yeah. There's no tribe of friends who have your back and are in your corner. You know, yeah. um, for a long time, I did not have good friends. I just had a bunch of good times. Mm. And um, so what I would say, if, if people are, are just sober, find a routine that keeps you balanced. So a yoga class in the morning, right? Um, a hike every other day, swim, um, go, to, go to some group, yeah. adult yeah. children of alcoholics, ACA or CODA, codependency or um, debtors anonymous, some sort of, cause there, there is, there is, as you know, just there's a power in community. Yep. And as the guy says on the Ted talk, the opposite of addiction is connection. Yep. And I don't know what better way to connect than putting my hand in the air and share my pain, which then cuts my pain in half because you're nodding, yep. right? You're nodding. And when I see the nod across the room, Jess, I go, Oh my God. She's just like me. I'm gonna have to talk to her after after the meeting. Or how about this? Or I put my hand up and go, "Hey, I'm having a I'm having a, a, a third baby," and all the parents know what that joy is like. So I double my joy. Yeah. But it only happens when you have the, have the willingness to put your hand in the air and, and be as as Brene Brown says, um, be vulnerable. You can win any woman over now, Greg, because you just quoted Brene Brown. There you go. How you getting Your goals now. That was amazing. Oh, let, let me double down. I see you have Glennon Doyle's book up there. She's another one right there. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. So It's so yeah. true. It's so true. But interestingly, as you were saying all that, it's all, that's the stuff we should be doing, but so interestingly, our minds sometimes tell us to do the opposite. I heard a guy get up a couple of weeks ago and he goes, you know, alcoholics are the only type of people that cure loneliness with isolation. <laughs> and I'm like, it's so true. Why are we so backwards with things sometimes? Yep. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, and really what I found is, um, you know, like I got 27 years and I go to the same four meetings every week. Wow. Good for you. Know, you. I, I, I do, I get my massage every Friday. I get the manicure on the third Saturday. Like I, I, I and let me tell you, when I was drinking and using, I'm the farthest thing from routine. Ugh, me too. I was always late, never returned phone calls, um, you know, couldn't pay bills. I, I was the most immature, irresponsible yep. individual. Yep. Totally. What a turnaround. Honestly, Greg, I could talk to you for seven hours straight. So you're going to have to come back and we're going to break down all of this. We're going to do, we're going to do a codependency piece. We're going to do, I want to hear more about this board of directors. And just quickly, before we talk about what you're currently doing today, when you were talking about this board of directors, what I love about people in recovery is that you're open to hearing what they have to say. I think that that is one of the magic pieces for people. People aren't necessarily open to hear what other people have to say. So to have that humility and be like, what should I do next is, I mean, that's beautiful. Well, that's you know, and, 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 uh, you know, it talks about, um, you know, part of our character defects. If you look at the, the simple character defects, just take the seven sins mm. of, you know, gluttony, envy, pride, lust, anger, greed, um, that, uh, 
you know, uh, pride, the opposite of pride is being humble. Um, and so, um, you know, when I used to be the guy at the airport tapping his credit card, I, you better get me on that flight, you know, and I had this happen in Chicago once in a snowstorm, there was two seats left and I'm tapping my credit card. You're going to get me on this flight. And the, the, the lady looks at me, looks over these two people over here and goes, Hey, I got two seats left. You two can have them. You, you talk about a snowstorm. The look my wife gave me when that happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was sleeping in the doghouse for four months after that. Sure. Because that's pride. Yeah. I think we convince ourselves that the the harder we push, the more we're going to get, or or if we bulldoze our way through life, we're going to win. And it's actually the opposite. It's, it's relax. Take a step back. Stop talking. (laughs) And and, and just doing nothing is an action. I know. I love that one. Doing nothing is an action. I love that one. Yeah. Okay, Greg, we got three minutes left. I know you got to go. I know you're a busy man. Quickly, tell us what you're doing today. You got a lot of cool projects going yeah. on. So what does life look like for you right well, now? First, I just want to thank you for a wonderful hour on your oh, podcast. I, my I, pleasure. I, I love the vibe. And, and I hope that one day we can cross paths in person. So um, what I do is um, I left. I, I was a producer and director for TV commercials for a long time. I left that business six years ago and I got in the recovery world. Um, co-founded a company with Jeffrey Van um, called Startup Recovery. And what we are is we are transitional uh, houses here in Los Angeles that once people go to rehab, we extend you and your aftercare for 90 days up to six months. And we have a beautiful program that includes 12 steps, recovery coaching with me. Um, It includes wellness, includes acupuncture and breath work and sound bath. Um, we also do sober mentors. And what happens is you tell me what industry you want to be in. And I would say, okay, you want to be in real estate? Well, I'm now going to introduce you to a guy who's got 20 years sobriety, but 25 years in real estate. Because I'm a big believer. We get sober and then we get scared. Like, what am I supposed to do? And that's why we have that program. Our four values are accountability, community, education, and love. Um, I coach in five lanes. Recovery, career, passion, self-care, and legacy. And so, again, the company's name's uh, Startup Recovery. Within the company, it's called the Recovery Playbook, which you guys can find online. And it's 12 plays about recovery. And most of it has very little to do with addiction. Yeah. It's life skills that we need to acquire. Um, and anybody can to that, that playbook? Yep. Anybody can access the playbook. Cool. And then... Um, you know, we, we have apartments that we have. We have a sober Melrose place, Jess. I love it. I love 15 it. units, a bunch of young people, all living, having barbecues and meditation meetings and yoga classes, all in these 15 units, all squared up like a, in a courtyard. So it's like a sober Melrose place. Can I still come if I've, even though I've been sober for a little while? For sure, for sure. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so the startup apartments, those are the apartments. And then um, I would say... Uh, yeah, we just do really good work. We we um, we helped a lot of families. We've had two startup babies. And what I mean by that, Jess, is a, is a year ago, I had two guys sitting on my couch at different times. Their wives, one wife says, listen, you're going to take him today and you're going to make him well. Or the next time he comes home, I'm going to throw him down the stairs. Whoa. They just had a baby in February. 
So nice. Oh, that's what I got it. An actual startup baby. Got it. An actual startup baby. So we have a two. Yeah. And that's what I mean. So actually, uh, no, you have three. I, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you, thank you, Jess, for that clarification. Yep, yes, you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. I'm yes. the brains of the operation. Yes, you are the brains of the operation. So, <laughs> so I would just say that, you know, um, one of my things, one of my legacy pieces is, um, is um, you know, I ask people, what's the most significant day in their life? And they'd say, oh, the day I had my kids, the day I got my college degree, the day I got married, the day I made my first million. You know, and here's my take on it. Your most significant day in life is the day they put you in the ground. Because mm. someone's going to grab a podium and, so, and say, Jessica did this. What do you want this to be? Yeah. And once you are there, you can reverse engineer it to get that going. So, you know, once you're gone, that it keeps living on. And so what I want to say to you is that I'm so happy to be with Startup Recovery with my partners, Jeffrey Van and Patricia Myers, who's a legend in the industry. Um, and, and the reason being is because my legacy is my client's legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That they can go on to have children and grandchildren, open businesses or, or get their law firm back, you know, and you know, it goes back to what I said before. It's the ripple effect. Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And I know the universe is going to reward me some way, you know, just and um, right thing. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So looking back now, six years in this, because that's a big jump going from TV producing. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. Are you grateful that you made the jump? Oh, 100%. Here's, here's why. And, and please know that this does not come from an egotistical place, but I remember when I wasn't happy at my gig six, seven years ago, I would say to my wife, I just want to get paid for being me. Hmm. Yeah, I hear that. And, and, and to, to a layman, he's like, does he want his own TV show? Who the, who the F does this guy think he is? <laughs> and if you think about it, because of what we're doing here at Startup Recovery and the way I sort of operate in the world, I am getting paid for being me. 27 years yep. of recovery, but 52 years on the planet. There's a lot of knowledge there. A lot. Yeah. A lot. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Yeah. Like you just summarized it perfectly. I think everybody's going to get so much out of it. I would love to have you back to talk about more topics. And again, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking an hour out of your busy day and, and so honest and so candid. And it was just, you're great. You're awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Cool. Thank you very much. I, I'm um, so honored to be here and so honored to meet, have a new Canadian friend. You got it. Thanks again. Okay. Let's stay in touch, Jess. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and supporting Living Out Loud. Be sure to tune in next week for another fun, juicy episode.